2: Jack Nicklaus is a golf legend and the winner of a record six Masters tournaments among his 18 career major championships. He sat down with Carlisle Group co-founder David Rubenstein for his Bloomberg television show Peer to Peer Conversations.
0: In the conversation, Nicklaus reminisces about his favorite golfers, explains why he and President Trump have a similar playing style and analyzes Tiger Woods' chances of breaking his majors tally
2: so let me go back to uh the beginning of golf and so forth i am not a golfer i have to be honest with you i took it up when i was nine i quit when i was ten was I'm, just... not, I'm not i'm not one anymore either okay but <laughs> no, well you're pretty famous in golf but um it was too frustrating and here's what i couldn't understand why is it that so many people are addicted to something that is so humiliating and frustrating for so many people all the time <laughs> the ball never goes where it's supposed to go why, why are people so addicted to it
1: uh well that's a pretty good question i I was trying to think about that. It's, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an, a never-ending pursuit of an unattainable goal is what it really is. Okay, right. <laughs> I mean, you could try all you want, and nobody has ever mastered the game. All, most all athletes in all other sports love to play golf because it's difficult. It's, t- it's challenging right. for them, and it challenges them at whatever level they play. And I think that's why I enjoyed it. That's why I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing it because I, no matter how good I got, I could always be better.
2: So when you were growing up, you played many different sports. Is that right? Yep. And actually, you were recruited to play football at Ohio State as Basketball. well? Basketball. Basketball. But you were a good football player as well? Decent, yep. So at the time, golf was not your most important sport, or was it one of the three most uh, important?
1: Golf was another sport at the time. But once I, once I started into college, I, I, I won a, 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 a national, uh, lesser than national tournament, but it got me on the Walker Cup team. And all of a sudden, I was now one of the 12 best amateurs in the country. And then that, later that year, I won the National Amateur, and I was ranked number one. And I said, hmm, maybe I'm better at this than I thought I was. And then I almost won the U.S. Open the next year, and then I did win the U.S. Amateur again the next year. And then I said, well, maybe I need to go play against the best if I want to be the best. So it was a process.
2: But your father was the one who got you into golf initially? Yep,
1: yep. My and dad, was he uh, a good
2: golfer himself?
1: Uh, he was a decent golfer as a kid and uh, then he uh, quit for 15 years and was a pharmacist and he broke his ankle playing volleyball and he ended up having three operations and had it fused and the doctor said Charlie he says if you don't want to end up in a wheelchair you better start walking again so he took, he went, we we moved out to the suburb to Upper Arlington to Siota Country Club, he joined there, took me along to carry the bag and because he couldn't make a game because he couldn't walk very far and that particular year, a fellow named Jack Grout came to Scioto, and the PGA Championship came to Scioto that year. So I got all that in, in my first year of playing golf, and it just sort of got me charged up to learn a sport.
2: Now, Jack Grout became your coach for most of your career.
1: He was my coach until he passed in 1989.
2: So your father and Jack Grout were the people who mostly got you on the way in golf, yep. you would say?
1: Yep. My dad was uh, my dad was sort of my, my best friend and my, and, uh, and my idol. I, I love my dad because... And he just he just did everything with me. He just just he just gave up everything for me.
2: In those days, um, it wasn't clear that you could make a big career financially in, as a professional uh, golfer. So you were thinking of getting a degree to, as an accountant or to be a pharmacist.
1: Well, I, I started college. I mean, most kids want to be what their dad was. So my dad was a pharmacist. So I went through pre pharmacy. I hated afternoon labs.
2: Right. All right. So. <laughs> and so
1: my dad taught me out of before I went to pharmacy school. He talked, talk me into doing something else, so I start selling insurance, okay. and I just love selling life insurance to my fraternity brothers, they really needed it, and <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did that for a while, but I, and I did pretty well at it, and I was making good money, and uh, I got married and had a first child, and, but I really wanted to play golf, and got, so that's what I did.
2: You got married to Barbara, Yep. and you've been married how many years?
1: be 59 next month.
2: 59 years, okay. And um, the result is five children and 22 grandchildren. That's right. Now you never forget a name of a grandchild when they come along. You know their names. No, I know and... their
1: name, and I know I know 95 percent of their birthdays.
2: Really? Okay. It's pretty impressive. So in those days, you were thinking of maybe becoming professional. You weren't sure, and you met with Bob Jones, did you, Robert Jones? Yep. The most Bobby famous, Jones. most famous amateur golfer of them all. Yep. And how did you actually come to meet him?
1: Well, he, he, was, um, he was a speaker at, at the uh, banquet of my first U.S. amateur when I was 15 years old. And uh, at that time, he, was, he, got, he got paralyzed as he went on. And, but he was, walking, he was still walking with canes at that time. And he, he, he saw me play coming in, in, in the last practice round. They said, young man, I'm going to come out and watch you play a little bit tomorrow. Here I'm a 15-year-old kid playing in my first U.S. Amber, and the greatest player who had ever lived was Bob Jones. He's going to come out and watch me play. And he came out, and I immediately went bogey-bogey, double-bogey. Lost my match, but it was a great experience, and I became a good friend. Uh, and he was, he was great counsel. He was, uh, he, was, uh, he, he, was, he was really, really a good man.
2: So you decided ultimately to turn professional in the year after you won the uh, second amateur. You won the U.S. Amateur twice. Yep. After you had done that, you decided you'd make a career out of it?
1: Well, I didn't have any more goals or anything more to do in amateur golf, and I wanted to be the best I could be at at playing golf. So I said the only way I could do that is to play against the best. The only way to do that is to play against the pros. So that's why I turned pro.
2: All right, in those days, uh, the compensation was good, but not compared to today. So, no, I was
1: making as much money selling insurance as I would have played one playing golf.
2: But you did I,
1: I surpassed it, though.
2: So, as you went on, uh, you had the comp- uh, a rivalry with Arnold Palmer a bit. Yep. He was the leading golfer when you came in, the pros, and then you surpassed him in many ways. But what was it like in the early days when you were rising and he was sort of at the top?
1: Well, you know, I'm, <laughs> uh, I wasn't real popular because I started beating Arnold. And, uh, you know, I wasn't popular with myself because I was an Arnold Palmer fan. Right. And, and Arnold was a good guy. And he, we got to be very close friends. Our wives got to be very close friends. Uh, but he was, uh, and he never really seemed to mind that I beat him more than he beat me. And I'm sure he probably did inside. But he never let me know it. He took me under his wing. And uh, he's 10 years older th- than I was. And uh, he, uh, he, was, he was great to me. So I have, no, I, I have nothing but love for Arnold Palmer.
2: So in your career, you won 18 majors, which is the most of anybody. Yep. And uh, Tiger Woods has now won with the most recent Masters win, 15. Yep. But many people think that trying to back, uh, beat your record is almost impossible. Mm,
1: I don't know. Tiger's Tiger's pretty good.
2: That's pretty good. So let's see. You won the Masters six times. Yep. And is that your favorite tournament, the Masters?
1: Uh, probably so, yeah.
2: In your course of your career, as I remember it, you've won more than 100 uh, tournaments. Yep. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And 18 majors. And you were the leading money winner seven times, the leading shot, uh, lowest shot uh, for a tournament, for a year, uh, seven times. And there's no record in golf you haven't achieved. Is that right? Was there anything left well, for you to I, achieve? Well, I
1: don't know that there's any record that I haven't achieved. And, but, you know, I, my record is, is good. But, you know, you could always be better. That's, that's the neat thing about Thank the game of golf. You, no matter how how good you get it something you could be better
2: so um, in terms of being better it's hard to know how you could do much better than you've done, but let's me um, ask you about a couple of things. What is it the key that makes somebody a great golfer is it concentration? is it physical ability? is it just
1: i think a combination
2: it's, of those things i think I
1: think your mind is, is a big part about it. I think you've got to believe in what you can do uh, you've got to learn to play within yourself uh, i think uh, I think anybody in all walks of life uh, I don't care what business you're in; you need to work within yourself, uh, and, and then and you need to do what you can do, not what somebody else can do. Uh, and, you start, and you start believing in that, and then I think winning breeds winning. Uh, so I was lucky. My first year, I won the U.S. Open, won the biggest tournament in golf. My first 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 year out, uh, and I believed that I could play. So so all of a sudden, they start coming in a little easier for me.
2: So in the first year, you won the U.S. Open. Was that in a playoff with uh, Arnold with Palmer? Palmer.
1: I had to fight Arnold's gallery a lot, but right. I never had to fight Arnold. He 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 always treated me with respect. He, he ret- treated me like a, a fellow competitor, and we and so I, I didn't have those issues.
2: So one of the most enjoyable uh, tournaments people would say to ever have watched anybody could have watched was the 1986 Masters, uh-huh. when you were an old old man of 46. 46.
1: Yeah, was a really old man, right?
2: Um, those days, that seemed like an old man, but today, to me, no, it doesn't t- today seem that old. it's
1: not. It's very young today, David. Right.
2: So, uh, people had never, n- no one had ever won a, a uh, major, I guess, ap- over the age of maybe 41 or 42 at that time. Uh, Tiger won the Masters now at 43, but yep. 46 was considered ready for, you know, a, a golf cart or a wheelchair or something. So, Close. So, <laughs> uh, you, you were not leading that tournament until uh, really near the end. You were, uh, but four shots behind with the final uh, nine shots? Uh, Holes to go? Is that right? I
1: was. I was still. The first time I led the tournament was after uh, 71 holes. Okay. Going to the last hole.
2: But you were four shots behind at the final nine. So did you actually think you could win?
1: Well, I. uh, Well, I birdied nine. I birdied ten. I birdied eleven. I messed up twelve a little bit. But then I birdied thirteen. And then when I eagled fifteen, and birdied sixteen, and birdied seventeen, yeah, I thought I could win because I was leading. (laughs) But, uh, well, was
2: that the most emotional win you've ever had?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I I really, I'd really finished playing golf by then. I'd played my, I'd won two majors when I was 40 years old, and I really just enjoyed playing golf and I wanted to be part of the game. And I just sort of struck lightning in a bottle a little bit that week, and uh, all of a sudden I got around to uh, the last nine holes or last ten holes, and I remembered how to play. I mean, you, you you, you 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 get yourself in contention, and all of a sudden, much like what Tiger happened to Tiger at, at the Masters this year, I, when 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 I saw the fellow start to fill up the creek on at Ray's Creek, which is a 12th hole, and he, he took this pretty little shot out, and cut it on the middle of the green, I said, tournament's over, because he will remember how to play, and that's what I did. I learned, I remembered how to play, and I remembered how to finish. And it was uh, it it was that was really fun being able to do that.
2: You early in your career decided that you wanted to be involved in golf course design, and as I now understand it, you have personally um, designed about 310 courses, and your company has designed over I guess it's 400 or so. And uh, about a thousand tournaments have been held on these courses, so and they're in 46 different countries and 40 different states, so it's pretty impressive.
1: Well, I got into it by a fellow named Pete Dye. Pete Dye has been sort of the premier golf course designer over the last. 30 years or so. and Pete one day called me, and this was in the mid-60s. He said, Jack, I'd like to have you uh, come out and see. I'm doing a new course for a fellow named Fred Jones, and I want you to come out and see what it is. He says, I said, well, what do you want to see, Pete? He says, I want you to critique it for me. And I said, Pete, I don't know anything about design. He said, oh, you know more than you think you know. I said, okay. So I went out and I looked through the golf course. We did things, and then he asked me a couple of things. I said, well, I, I don't know anything about that. He says, "Yeah, you do. Just tell me what you what you would like to see." And he did it. Well, it got it piqued my interest, and I got a call from uh, Charles Fraser at Sea Pines Plantation down in Harbortown, and in Hilton Dan Island. And he said, "Jack, I'd like to have you do a go- do our golf course for us." I said, "Well, I don't know anything about it." I said, "But I got a young guy who I'm working with, name named Pete Die, who I think I'd like to work with." So I did that. I made I made 23 visits into that trip with with with, with Pete. Uh, we. And about six months before the tournament, they came and told us we were going to have the Heritage Golf Classic there, which they've had there ever since, since 1969. Arnold won the first tournament. Uh, I loved it. I had a ball. It was just tremendous.
2: So, I'm talking about golf courses. Your favorite course to play of any other than the ones you might have designed? Uh, I assume that those are the ones you like the most. Absolutely.
1: So. But you know, who's your favorite child? You know, right. it's the same thing.
2: But let's suppose, take the ones you didn't design. Which ones would you say were your favorites well, to play?
1: Well, if I had one round of golf play, I'd probably go out to Pebble Beach, which we just left the U.S. Open last week. I love Pebble Beach. It's the scene out there, I won the U.S. Amateur there, won the U.S. Open there, won three, three Crosbys out there. And, and I, just, I just love the place. No. And then, and then, and then, but, but my two favorite places in the game are probably Augusta National and St. Andrews.
2: When you finished your professional career, I think it was 2005, yep. your last tournament yep. was the British Open.
1: Yep, So Andrews.
2: was that pretty, uh, pretty emotional?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I had you uh, had
2: your family there, and
1: and the family there. They were all there. Uh, my son Steve caddied for me in, during that week, and uh, we we stopped at what's called the Swilken Bridge, which is the bridge that crosses the 18th right. fairway. And uh, we, we we didn't get a decent picture of Steve. Steve was crying too much, and Tom Watson was mean. He's crying. I mean, all the, I, they're all emotional. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to finish the golf right. tournament. Right. They're all, they're crying on me. And so we had a great time, though, and, and it was fun. I loved it. I, would not, I didn't want to finish on Friday, but I did finish on Friday.
2: So you, your last shot was a birdie? You
1: know, I, you know it was kind hole. of funny because, yeah, I wanted to make the cut that day, and after I three-putted from the front edge at 13 try, or 17 trying to make birdie, I got to the 18th hole, and I hit the ball in about 14 feet behind the hole. Now, the ball had not gotten anywhere near the hole all day, and I knew that that putt, because the tournament was over, I didn't, no matter where I hit it, the hole was going to move in front of it. And that's what it did. I made my last putt. I started my, my, professional, or my career in major championships in 1957 with a birdie on the first hole I played. And I finished it on St. Andrews with a 14-foot putt with a birdie.
0: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you.
2: So after you got a birdie, you said, "Well, maybe I should stay a little bit longer and play another." No, I'd,
1: I'd stayed long enough, David. Okay. <laughs> stayed long
2: enough. So uh, you've played with many uh, prominent individuals over the years and prominent golfers. If you could pick any golfer to be your partner in a twosome, who would you want to have as your partner?
1: Um. Well, I think I have to pick Tiger today. Okay. But through the years, I you know I, I I never got to play with Bobby Jones, even though I know him and knew him and and, and really 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 love the band. Uh, I would have loved to have played with Jones and I would have loved to have, I played quite a bit of golf with Hogan. Hogan was fantastic.
2: You've also played with a lot of presidents of the United States.
1: I've played with a few.
2: And um which one's the best in playing golf?
1: Well, the ones I've played with, actually Trump is probably the best player. Really? Trump plays pretty well. He you know, he he, he plays a little bit like I do. He doesn't really ever finish many holes, but he can hit the ball and he just he goes out and plays and he just enjoys it. And uh, but he's won several club championships, and uh, he can play. Uh, Gerald Ford, I played—I played—I must played 50 rounds with Ford. I used to play with him at the AT&T every year, and Ford was about a 13 handicap, but he played to a 13 handicap. Uh, Clinton, I never knew what Clinton might do. Clinton would—he uh, he might play to a play to a 10, or he might play to a 30. But uh, but he had a nice golf swing, and he enjoyed. Play. All these guys enjoyed playing golf, and. I don't think any one of them really were very serious about the game, but they all enjoyed playing it, and I think that it's good for the game of golf to have the president of the United States say, you know, this is my game.
2: So when you're playing in those kind of uh, matches, let's say, or uh, fun with the president, and let's say the ball is 10 feet away from the hole, why do people just not say put it out as opposed to, oh, you can have it? Why is that uh, done so much? You just say, I'll let you have it. I
1: think that's a little bit of... uh, courtesy or well that's a little bit of politics too oh okay I think, <laughs> you give me mine if I give, I give you okay. I'll give you yours if you give me mine that kind of routine which is not golf
2: <laughs> now you have a grandson who recently at a master's par 3 tournament yeah. got a hole in one was that a fairly emotional thing to see your grandson get a hole in
1: one uh, pretty good you know it's kind of a funny story because it, his name is GT which is Gary Thomas after his father he's a junior and we're playing. Uh, uh, we went out and played nine holes, and uh, I said I, I always ask the kids because well, I have a different one caddy for me every year. The Masters turn I said, "Do you want to uh, do you want to hit a ball?" this says, "Well, none of my cousins have ever gotten it on the green." I said, "Well, okay." I said, "Yeah." He says, "I'd love to hit a ball." I said, "Okay, so fine." So he, I said, "Well, if you're going to on the green, you may as well make a hole in one." And he says, oh, "Okay." So he saw. His, was with his dad. Was had the Masters dinner on Tuesday night? He said "He says people. I'm people." He says, "People thinks I'm going to make a hole in one." He says, "Really?" He says, Yeah, so he says, says i going to knock it on the green, he may as well make a hole Well, Darn it for the next day, he knocks it right in the hole. And, you know, I mean, Gary Player, who he's actually named after, uh, Garrett, my son Gary, because Gary was such a great friend and such a great role model. And uh, Gary was jumping all over the place. Tom Watson was jumping all right. over the place. So when players are
2: playing golf and they're uh, in a tournament, you're, so you're paired with somebody. Uh, do you actually talk during when you're walking down the sure. fairway? They talk. Or I thought some they didn't even talk to each other. They oh, no,
1: no, the guys are good friends. I mean, Arnold and I had had a fierce rivalry, and we I mean, we we blew more tournaments for ourselves trying to beat each other than worrying about the field. Right. But we get off the golf course and we look at it. We say, Yeah, we did it again. We both shot 75. Well, everybody else shot 65, but just the two of us tried to beat each other. But then we would shake hands and say, Okay, where are you going to dinner tonight? Right. You know. So you know that's that's I love the golf kids today. I mean I love watching uh, when, when Gary Woodland finished. And you don't even see on television, but you saw four or five of the other players or six of the other players were out congratulating him. When Justin Thomas won the PGA two years ago, Ricky Fowler and, and Jordan Spieth were waiting for him as he finished on the 18th screen. The guys really support each other, and and, and, and they, they they've got enough money. They're not worried about the money. They they know it's a game. And, and those guys are their friends, and they enjoy it.
2: So uh, in recent years, Tiger Woods has struggled a bit. For He went 10 years between winning uh, uh, a, a major tournament. Um, do you think today that your record of 18 um, majors can be broken by Tiger or by anybody? I
1: think so. <laughs> the way Brooks kept is going, he's going to do it before Tiger. I, f- I felt like I remember the last one that Tiger won prior to this was, was at uh, Torrey Pines in San Diego uh, 10 years ago. And Tiger hit it all over the place and won the tournament. Now he, has, he, had, he had back fusion and his swing is much better now than it was then. He's now learned not to hit it hard because he doesn't want to hurt himself. And Tiger's short game is fantastic. Tiger's going to win a lot more tournaments. Whether he's going to win you know, three or four more major tournaments, I don't know. But Tiger's 43 in the game of golf today is not very old.
2: So uh, let's talk a moment about uh, philanthropy. I'd like to talk about how you and your wife have decided to focus a lot of your philanthropy on children's hospitals.
1: Well, we started, David, uh, uh, back with with my daughter in 1966. Our daughter, Nan, was uh, 11 months old, and she started choking. And we never couldn't understand why. Should we get her to the doctor and she'd be fine? Well, finally, the doctor says, we've got to get this gal down to the Children's Hospital, we went down to the Columbus Children's Hospital, now Nationwide Children's Hospital, and uh, they found a crayon in her windpipe, and they didn't have how in the world they did, but they didn't have a a, a pediatric uh, bronchoscope. They went down with an adult bronchoscope, broke the crayon up, dropped it in her lungs. She got pneumonia. She's for for about six days. She was, you know, touch and go. And as Barbara and I were sitting waiting for Nan whatever was going to happen, we just said. uh, you know, if we ever are in a position to help others, we want it to be children. And then 15 years ago, the Honda tournament moved up from uh, Fort Lauderdale to the Palm Beach area. And a fellow named Fred Millsaps came to me, ran the charities, he said, Jack, what, what do you have in this area for children's charities? And I looked at Barbara and I said, you wanna go for it? And she said, uh, go for it. So we started our foundation. We then, we've been the main beneficiary from Honda and several other events and so forth. And we haven't really done anything large we've raised a little over $100 million in the last 15 years. That's pretty impressive. Which is pretty good.
2: Now, the university... The the Miami City Children's Hospital has been renamed in your honor.
1: They went back... Miami was Miami Children's, and we made an association with Miami Children's. And after a couple of years, they came back to us and they said, you know, we'd like to be a global hospital, so we'd like to use the Nicholas name. And it's fantastic to see... To see what's happened with these kids. And I want to tell you one thing it's far more important than a four foot putt. I, and, well, and I enjoy it a lot more.
2: You enjoy it? In other words, the satisfaction of winning the Masters is, is,
1: is fantastic.
2: But the satisfaction of saving a child's life it's is unbelievable. Well, it's been a great life and a great uh, uh, inspiration for so many Americans and people around the world. Thank you for everything you've done for the golf world and for our country and for philanthropy. Thank you.
1: Well, David, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank- Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you.